So, Israel Ambassador to Sweden, Ilan Ben-Dov, thank you so much for speaking with us today at the Smooth Schnack podcast that is produced by Heavenbound Ministries. Uh, many people who listen to this podcast have a big interest in the nation of Israel. So I'm glad that you uh, would join us today, uh, that we would uh, get a clearer picture of the relationship between our two great nations. Thank you so much uh, for having me in your in your podcast and uh, happy to be with you, with your viewers and uh, looking forward to an interesting meeting. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, uh, I would like to start to ask you a little bit about yourself. Uh, could you just, in short, tell us a little bit about your background, what city you grew up in, what university you attended, and uh, what the political post you had prior to coming to Sweden? Yes, okay. Uh, I, I was uh, born and I grew up uh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, I'm married to Roni, uh, whom I met uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, that's another interesting story. We are parents of uh, three children, a daughter and two boys. Uh, they are all uh, in, uh, in, in Israel. And uh, I, as I said, I uh, grew up in Tel Aviv. I studied, uh, I did my uh, BA uh, in, uh, in the Barilani University and then my master's degree in the Hebrew University of uh, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, just a few years uh, after university, I joined the Israeli Foreign Service as a cadet, as uh, immediately, as I said, after the uh, uh, the, the university. Uh, and then I began from, uh, you know, a junior diplomat and all through the years until I became ambassador. Most of the uh, years I was dealing with European affairs. Uh, I spent also four years as ambassador to Singapore, which is uh, not in Europe, of course, but uh, but most most of my um, uh, professional uh, career, uh, as I said, uh, is uh, in in um, in Europe, in Central and, and Western uh, Europe, both at the headquarters uh, in Jerusalem. And I served also in our embassy in, in Germany. I speak German, so I was sent. We were sent twice to German-speaking uh, countries. First to Germany, then to to Austria. Uh, and uh, and and here I am trying to represent my country in the wonderful Sweden. So that's great. So you started with Germany and Austria, and now you went to the northern Germanic people, Swedish. Indeed, indeed. Um, it's it's a bit uh, different, but it's a great, great challenge and, uh, and very interesting. That we are, we're happy to have you. And um, uh, so uh, I, I would just like to... Uh, explore a little bit of the history of our nations before uh, coming onto speaking about the present future and uh, about the present and about the future. 
So me personally, I'm a little bit more right-leaning politically, and uh, Sweden have predominantly been ruled by the Social Democratic Party. And uh, I have for a long time wondered why sometimes the Social Democratic Party have a negative connotation when it comes to the country Israel, or sometimes a negative attitude, um, often also in the media that are uh, left-leaning. It have been reported, in my opinion, in a very unfair manner. Uh, so in order to understand more, I actually picked up this book from the library that is called um, Israel and Palestine, 60 Years in Our Red Hearts uh, by Ulf Bierald and Ulf Karmesund. And uh, this is uh, written by different uh, social democratic thought leaders. And on the front cover, there's a picture of Tage Lander and Ben-Gurion. Uh, and you can see it right here. So, I know, I've seen the picture, of course, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, so uh, let me ask you, how was the relationship between Israel and Sweden in these times, let's say the 50s and 60s? Yeah, um, that's an interesting uh, a development that we have seen. By the way, I have to, of course, underline, I, I hope it is obvious that uh, I, as an Israeli diplomat, I'm not representing any... Uh, any political party, uh, I represent the state of Israel, and I'm not in any way politically involved in the sense of uh, party politics. Uh, so I do not represent neither uh, uh, someone from the... Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no problem. From the uh, left parties or... or a, let me just silent my telephone. Uh, and and but having said that, uh, the um, um, the beginning was very uh, positive. I'm speaking now about the 50s and uh, and the 60s. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Erlander and uh, the then uh, the relations began as as very not only positive but. Um, close and intimate uh, 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 political relations uh, and the great friendship. Uh, and it was not only because of the uh, fact that both Israel and, uh, and Sweden uh, were dominated by a social democratic um, a party, uh, but I think that it went uh, um, much uh, beyond. And uh, as I said, there was a, a, a close um, a friendship between uh, the, 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 um, even the, uh, the unions, the LO and the Israeli um, Histadut, and of course the kibbutz movement that was very much, that was playing a very, a uh, dominant role in the Israeli society, in Israeli culture, in the Israeli economy. And uh, uh, so uh, politically, there were also very close um, uh, relations. And uh, the meeting, the famous meeting between Erlander and Ben-Gurion was, uh, 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 was, was only a symbol of, of uh, a sign of, of that friendship. Um, yes, yeah. Very good. 
And uh, the second picture uh, on the front cover of this book is in 1983 when Yasser Arafat visited Stockholm uh, and he was received by Olof Palme, uh, the, our uh, late uh, prime minister. And uh, how did Israel uh, view uh, Sweden receiving the leader of PLO in such an early time to Stockholm as we did? Uh, did it affect the relationship in a good or bad way? Do you remember uh, how, how it was talked about? Yeah, of course, uh, uh, of course, that was uh, that was a turning point, a very, very negative uh, turning point, and um, I I don't know, uh, or I'm not an expert to to uh, the ideology and the motives of uh, of Palme, but what I do know as an Israeli. Uh, and what everybody should know is that Yasser Arafat was the inventor and leader of uh, modern international terrorism. Uh, Yasser Arafat uh, uh, was responsible for, uh, uh, for the murder of thousands and thousands of Israelis for... Um, atrocities and attacks against Israeli civilians. He was the amalgamation, he was the, the symbol of international terrorism. And uh, I have to admit that until now I don't understand what made um, Olof Palme then uh, uh, meet him, uh, but that was certainly um, uh, a turning point. Um, Yasser Arafat never accepted the existence of a Jewish state in the Middle East, um, and uh, a, he was not a, a man of peace. And uh, there was no reason uh, uh, there was no reason to accept him as a, as a guest in uh, in Stockholm. So we're gonna come back to. Uh what you mentioned about uh, he, that he never confessed a Jewish state in the Middle East. But uh, let's just uh, hold that for later. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you about in 1977, Menachem Begin was uh, elected the prime minister of Israel. And in the decade prior, a lot of Jews had immigrated from the Soviet Union. Now, these had a very negative connotation to the word word socialism and even the word social democracy. Uh, they didn't uh, really like that uh, type of word. So this put together made Israel go a little bit more right-leaning, you could say, since um, Begin was more right-leaning himself. And uh, before, as you mentioned, it had been known a lot for its labor movement, the kibbutz movement, and so on. And the interesting thing is that while this happened in 1977, the heavy critique started to rain in from Sweden onto Israel. So what my question to you is, is the critique from Sweden to Israel really against Israel, or is it against the right political parties in Israel? No, I, I think that uh, the, the, the development was much more complex this, than, than this. We should not uh, only concentrate on the, the fact that there was a change 
uh, of uh, government uh, in, in Israel. And by the way, also the change in Israel in, uh, 19, in May 1977, it was the first time when the Israeli labor movement has lost elections and, uh, and Menachem Begin became uh, prime minister. Uh, but that is uh, as a phenomenon that we see in every democracy. Once you have this party and, and, and the other time you have another party. Uh, so the reason for the change in the bilateral rela uh, relations between Sweden and Israel uh, might be that it was, uh, among other reasons, that was, uh, uh, that was it, but it was not only this. And, um, uh, and by the way, also the shift in Israel uh, was not only motivated by the fact that, or influenced by the fact that, uh, of by the fact that we had the large uh, immigration from the former uh, Soviet Union, or then it was still the Soviet Union, 1977, um, that has influenced, but the, the reason for uh, Israel becoming less social democratic and more uh, capitalistic, if you want, even in, in the structure of the, um, um, of the economy, um, or the character of the economy that had uh, um, that, that had many other reasons, and not only it was not only influenced by uh, by the immigration from from the Soviet Union, but yes, indeed, through the years, um, Israel's economy became uh, much less um, social democratic and and much more or a bit more. Um, Capitalistic, although uh, even today uh, it is uh, a capitalistic society or capitalistic economy based on uh, the idea of a welfare state, uh, like many other uh, Western European uh, uh, economies and societies where you have a free market and a capitalistic market, but based on a, um, a a welfare state, and uh, um, so that was uh, the major shift in 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 Israel. I I see, and um, uh, the the reason why I'm uh, a little bit staying on this subject is because while reading some of the literature from uh, the social democratic uh, thought leaders, it's pretty apparent that. As long as a country have a labor party, that is the party that they want to collaborate with. And this is even uh, later in the book, uh, I won't mention too much about it in the interview, but uh, this was the thoughts that went on with first the PLO, that they are going to be like um, uh, collaborating with the FATA uh, labor unions and also uh, that uh, later on that Hamas would be a labor party. And because of this, uh, they are writing, we have to try to find some kind of a way to always collaborate worldwide with labor movements. Uh, so sometimes I believe uh, it's good to also understand the intentions and to understand how could they invite Yasser Arafat back then. Well, there is an explanation and some of it might be 
in the worldwide international labor movement? Yeah, well, that uh, brings me back to my uh, a, uh, a, to my um, a education as a political scientist. Yes, but uh, I, I believe that uh, a uh, relations among nations, between nations, yes. Uh, a, of course, they're influenced by the fact that uh, who is uh, your counterpart and what is his uh, ideologic um, a, um, a background, and if he is. Uh, but but I believe that in in uh, democracies, and we see this uh, all over Europe. Yes, uh, I don't think that uh, there is a big change in the relations between. Um, a uh, Sweden and I don't know Germany, Belgium, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, if if uh, the um, government party is uh, if the government is uh, social democratic or uh, labor in the case of the United Kingdom or or uh, conservatives. But yes, I believe again I'm not an expert to. Um, Olof Palme, and I'm not uh, an expert to, uh, though I try to learn and to understand the Swedish Social Democrats, but uh, as far as I have learned, yes, there was this tendency by Palme to, to meet, uh, you know, uh, so-called uh, socialistic uh, revolutionary leaders um, in Africa and in South America, and in this respect, right. but... <laughs> But but um, but the PLO um, they, uh, had nothing to do with with socialism, and uh, uh, the PLO had only one agenda on its uh, um, in, in in its ideology, and this is to uh, to ruin, to destroy uh, the state of Israel, and to build another Arab country instead of it uh, in what they call uh, Palestine. And uh, and that had nothing to do with uh, with socialism. Uh, let alone later on, uh, that was of course after the time of uh, of Palme. Uh, let alone a terrorist organization like Hamas, which is a radical Islamistic organization that contradicts everything uh, that you can think about social democracy. It's a very uh, religious Islamistic um, violent terrorism uh, 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 terrorist organization that has nothing whatsoever to do with uh, social democracy. Uh, I totally agree with you, uh, but some of these uh, thinkers and writers uh, say that all the same, the Hamas was uh, elected in parts of Palestine. Um, in political elections. So if this is the parties or uh, the group that uh, they want to be ruled by, we have to reach out. And me personally have a different view, as I also hear that you you have, but they are always thinking about uh, uh, collab collaboration, no matter uh, how um, bad the actors might be. Well, uh, everybody has his, uh, you know, his moral uh, decisions and uh, and political decisions, and uh, I I know uh, even you know the the, um, 
the government, uh, the, the uh, uh, Swedish current government, uh, does not have any uh, relations to uh, Hamas because they well understand that Hamas is uh, an organization that has only one um, a, one purpose or one uh, a uh, target, and this is to destroy uh, the state of Israel. And they are motivated by jihad, by an Islamistic uh, holy war, and uh, they, their aspiration is to export the Islamic uh, revolution, and that will uh, start... Um, as they are dreaming in uh, what they call Palestine, but it will follow, of course, also to Europe. Hmm. So this is, uh, I believe, well understood also in, in Sweden. And That's Sweden, good to hear that uh, this uh, have been uh, coming to uh, the political leaders' attention and that uh, they are acting uh, in a responsible manner upon it. Uh, so let me ask you, in 1988... Uh, then Foreign Minister Stian Andersson uh, started to negotiate with Israel, America and Palestine. And he asked the United States uh, what was needed in order for them to start negotiating with PLO um, at this time. Uh, the answer was clearly recognize Israel as a state and also end the terrorism. The same year, Yasser Arafat um, confessed and recognized Israel as a state and uh, he condemned terrorism. But my question to you is, did he really confess Israel as a state? And did he really co uh, condemn terrorism? Because uh, this is something that we are always told that he did here in Sweden, and we celebrate that our foreign minister uh, had this great political victory. But was this really a political victory or not? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, beyond his uh, declaration, uh, or beyond every other uh, political declaration, you should uh, um, you should very well uh, observe uh, what is he doing and what is what is the message that he is conveying or that he was conveying then, uh, not in uh, Stockholm or in Brussels or in New York, uh, but uh, in, at, at home, at the mosques of Gaza and at the mosques of uh, Ramallah. And there he spoke completely different, in a different manner, in a different way. Um, just as an example to, to illustrate, yes, uh, if you look at the flag of the PLO uh, until today, the state of Israel, uh, they, they have a, a map there, and the state of Israel simply don't doesn't uh, exist. Um, if you um, if you check the um, textbooks of uh, Palestinian uh, um, schools in um, in Judea and Samaria in the West Bank, uh, then uh, there is a state of Palestine. Israel simply does not exist. So he may have said something uh, which was uh, considered here as a recognition, but uh, even later on, unfortunately, even we Israelis were hoping that uh, he would accept the existence of, of a Jewish state in the Middle East, the state of Israel, as the homeland of the Jewish people. And uh, he never did this. He never did this. 
Uh, again, we were um, fo- we are following, and it's not only Arafat. We are following the Palestinians, and we we listen to what they say. As I said, not not in in the European capital cities and not in New York, but to their own people. Right. And there, and there, you see no recognition of uh, of the state of Israel. Hmm. That's that's interesting to hear. So let me ask you on a little bit more positive note, maybe. How was the relationship between Sweden and Israel during the Yoram Passion era, um, when he was the Swedish prime minister? Well, that well, that's indeed positive. I think that uh, uh, Mr. Person had a, a very good understanding of uh, of the Middle East, of uh, of the state of Israel. He is a friend of the state of Israel, and uh, I, I believe that uh, I would like to see that his uh, perception and his policy, above all, will be um, continued. And that uh, brings us also, but I suppose we will speak about it later, to, to current affairs. Um, yes. I believe that things can be improved, but uh, during his time, I, I think that he he had, I know that he had a very, very deep uh, historic understanding and, uh, and a very wide uh, um, and deep understanding of uh, Jewish history, of, uh, of the state of Israel, and, and above all of the Middle East. And uh, during his time, uh, the relations were uh, were good. So uh, maybe it is like you say. It would be very good if um, the 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 thoughts that um, that school of thought that your own passion had uh, would maybe uh, start being implemented even more today, or maybe it is. Uh, we're gonna come to that uh, a little bit later, uh, but. Um, let me just ask you uh, some something else here. So let me preference this with this is not uh, the official uh, standpoint of the Social Democratic Party today, but this is uh, from some of their uh, thought leaders in the book also. And it was written around 2008, 2010 or so. So maybe some things have, uh, have uh, changed uh, in their vision, uh, but um, all the same, Back then, they wrote uh, a few of their suggestions that they had, their vision that they had for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And I'm just going to mention three of them and uh, hear uh, your reaction to it. So uh, one of the proposals is a two-state solution, uh, a two-state solution according to the borders of 1967. Secondly, that the occupied uh, that the occupation ends, that the settlement politic ends, that the wall built on occupied territory is torn down, and that the road checkpoints ends. Number three, that the violence ends from both sides. So what do you think of the rhetoric in these proposals using words like occupy on occupation? Uh, is it fair? Why or why not? And in general, what do you think of these proposals? Are they fair or not fair? Are they good or not good? Yeah. First of all, uh, I would advise uh, the, the people who, who wrote this 
to be a little bit more um, humble uh, and uh, uh, to understand that uh, peace between uh, uh, Israelis and the Arabs or Israelis and the Palestinians will not be exactly decided in uh, uh, in uh, in, um, among the social democratic party in with all due respect yes uh, in 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 sweden and not in in uh, in stockholm so a little bit of uh, you know being humble will not uh, harm anyone um uh, this is of course a description or a position which is uh, uh, unfor unfortunately, uh, um, for, for many years now, in certain circles, in, uh, uh, in, in among the well, let's say, let's call it the center-left parties in in Sweden, a very one-sided, very biased, uh, very uh, um, against uh, against Israel. Let me refer only to one example. They speak a lot about uh, occupation, so-called occupation. Yes, this is an absurd. This is uh, um, just to to remind us all that uh, until uh, 1967, until the Six Day War, uh, there was not no one inch of uh, so-called occupation, and there we didn't see any. Um, any uh, Arab uh, intention or any, any uh, Arab uh, a uh, willingness to live in peace with Israel. So the Arab uh, total rejection of the very existence of the state of Israel, uh, which is, by the way, uh, now beginning to change, but then the, the total rejection of the very idea of the existence of Israel was totally rejected long, long, long before we did. We have uh, what they call uh, occupation. So uh, let us uh, remind ourselves that the problem among uh, uh, the, to the, the, the core, the reason, the key to uh, to the um, Palestinian-Israeli conflict is not a so-called occupation, but the question whether the Palestinians. Or, or the Arab nations accept the existence of the state of Israel or not. It has nothing to do with so-called occupation. If you want, I can also refer to, to the very use of the word, because um, this terminology is being used by certain uh, Swedish politicians until today. You know, it's a sort of a mantra. They always speak about occupation. Yes. They tend to they, they tend to uh, forget that this so-called occupation um, was born after uh, several uh, Arab countries have begun a war against Israel in June 1967. Israel went to defend itself, and it, it won the war. And this is how what they call occupation was born. It's, uh, you know, the, the uh, very, um, a, I would say, um, um, wrong way to blame Israel for uh, occupation in which people tend to forget uh, who started the war. 
who went uh, who went to war in um, in June 1967 uh, and to try and present this and there is a lot of hypocrisy here uh, to try and present this as if on June in June 1967 on a certain morning Israel has not had nothing better to do than occupied Arab territories this is of course a distortion of history and yes. and, and it is it is utterly wrong uh, we defended ourselves in a war of defense against the wish of the then president of Egypt, Jamal Abdul Nasser, uh, uh, which sent his army to attack Israel in order to destroy it. This is the, this is the, these are the historic facts and people tend to forget them. That's true, and uh, I, I like how you put it. It's uh, like distortion of history, because many times um, I could just give it uh, from my subjective perspective. Growing up in Sweden, it's often in different ways presented to you as if Israel just woke up one morning deciding to go in and occupy territory just uh, for the love of it. And... Um, uh, the reason uh, really was them being attacked, defending themselves, and every sovereign nation have a right to defend itself and its borders and its uh, population. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to say that even today, a very serious, senior uh, um, Swedish politicians, including Foreign Minister Linda, with 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 whom I have a, we have a very good uh, dialogue, you know. Uh, but uh, they use this uh, mantra, you know, this uh, slogan of occupation, as if the so-called occupation is the is the reason for the conflict in the Middle East. Well, it is certainly not, and mm. and one has to be very very careful and accurate while speaking about historical facts. Yes, thank you for setting the record straight, uh, straight, Mr. Ambassador. So. Let, let me ask you, uh, how are the relationships between Sweden and Israel today, and how do they look for the future when it comes to trade, collaborations, etc.? Yeah, well, uh, I, I have to say that I'm, I'm very optimistic. I, um, I, I see a beginning of, of, uh, of a change uh, and, uh, and improvement. Uh, this has got many uh, reasons, but uh, in, in a nutshell, to, to uh, describe it, I believe that um, uh, this um, a, uh, generation of uh, the um, political generation of uh, the hardcore of those who are against uh, uh, Israel on, and and have and were leading the anti-Israeli very biased policy politics. Uh, I think that they are beginning uh, to politically uh, disappear. And I, you know, I speak with many many young people here in in Sweden, and I I. Um, I know, I see that uh, there is a much, among the, the young generation, a much more understanding of uh, 
the situation of Israel as the only democratic state, state in the Middle East is a small island of democracy, which is surrounded by Islamistic uh, fundamentalism and, and violence. And I, I believe that among the young generation, there is a much better understanding of Israel. This is one thing. And the other thing is, and you mentioned it, um, uh, people understand that um, Israel or the story of Israel is not only the Arab-Israeli conflict or the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Israel is, a, is, as I said, the only democracy in the Middle East. It's a vibrant society. It's an open society. It's a, it, it's, it is an economy based on innovation, on know-how. It is based on the human resource. Uh, we have some of the best universities in the world. We have a very dynamic economy, uh, which is, by the way, very much uh, similar to, to the Swedish economy. And we see more and more um, co cooperation between uh, Swedish companies and Israeli companies, between the universities. And I believe that among the young generation, there is a, a much better understanding that Israel is, is a success story and that Israel is uh, much, much more than uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Yes. It, is, it is an interesting society. It is an advanced society, an open one, and a very vibrant one. Uh, that's that's very true, and uh, I actually visited Israel uh, together with my friend mm -hmm. who have a um, um, traveling agency called uh, Duve School Traveling Agencies, and uh, it was the first time I visited. I actually went there maybe just um, a few months before the coronavirus uh, started to happen, so I was happy that I actually had the experience before all of the world started to shut down from yeah. being able to fly and being able to uh, tour and uh, all of this. So let me ask you a bonus question. Uh, Israel have vaccinated uh, a big part of its population already. And uh, when do you think it will be open for uh, tourism and traveling again so that people could visit and see what uh, you are mentioning right here and that, that I could totally agree with that Israel is such an uh, exciting country? Yeah, first of all, I, I wish to myself that um, uh, as many uh, Swedes will, will indeed arrive uh, to Israel to witness with their own eyes uh, the, uh, the the wonderful country, and by the way, many uh, uh, many of them have already visited. We had until uh, Corona, until the beginning of the epidemic, we we had in the last years uh, very sharp rise in uh, tourism from Sweden yes. to Israel, almost thirty percent rise in the uh, in in tourism. Uh, because uh, people simply enjoy uh, the streets of uh, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, uh, Tiberias, and and um, and a lot, and uh, that is also very very positive a, a, a development. Um, so um, I'm I'm sure that that will continue. We are very successful in very in in. Uh, 
quite fast uh, um, process of um, uh, the, of um, to, to immune the, the society. We have succeeded uh, also already to uh, vaccination of more than 50% of the um, uh, of the population. Uh, but unfortunately, we are still we are trying now very gradually to open up uh, the economy. Uh, it will take time, uh, and uh, it, of course, it's not only we we are living in a global world. So uh, what is happening in Israel is not isolated from what is happening in in other places. So we need the whole world to be there and to to vaccinate as fast as uh, as 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 it can. Um, I certainly hope, no no one knows, but uh, I certainly hope that uh, in the foreseeable future, we will be, we will all be, it will be possible to somehow gradually go back to normal life, the life that we had uh, before Corona. Mr. Ambassador, thank you so much for the great work that you do. We are grateful to have you in Sweden and thank you for speaking with us today at the Smutschnack podcast. Thank you so much for having me, for hosting me. It was a pleasure. I uh, I know, uh, having said all what we said, I know that Israel has many, many dedicated friends here, and uh, uh, we appreciate the friendship uh, to Israel. We cherish it very much, and uh, and thank you. Thank and you shalom. so much. <laughs> shalom. <laughs>